Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and my guest for this episode is the creator of the United Comic and Transylvanian Knights, amongst others. Uh, it's very warm welcome to Johnny Cannon. Johnny, welcome to the book club. Hi, Eamon. It's nice to finally meet you. And yourself. Uh, yeah, we are both members of Tony Esmond's Never Iron Anything Club as well, aren't we? <laughs> yes. It's, um, uh, it's ever-expanding a uh, circle of mistresses. <laughs> never, iron, um, never iron men, as I call them. Um, <laughs> Johnny, before we get to today's book, we start with 2000 AD or comics origin stories. What were your first comics? Um, and particularly, you know, what, how did you get into the prog? Well, I was, when, when I was a kid, I was a guide-in-the-wheel uh, Marvel zombie, which is how I got to the thing we're going to speak about today. I had... Uh, I got weekly comics delivered to the house. So it was like Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Thor, X-Men. Um, and as I got a wee bit older, I discovered Marvel US comics, which were sold in a, in a shop. Uh, they were really sporadic distribution. I think it's probably the same with yourself, actually, when you were growing up too. Um, so it kind of dropped off then. But 2008 was a bit different. My, my fr- a few of my friends got it. So I would always, when I'd get out of their house, if I saw a comic lying about, I would sit and read it. And the thing that leapt out to me most was probably uh, Zenith um, and Slain. I really liked. I got into 2000 AD with the best of 2000 AD and my kind of favourite strips were, I loved Slain, but, but the, I think my favourite one was either uh, Halo Jones, Zenith or Sam Spade Robo Hunter. I love Robo Hunter. It's so, so good. And had a soft spot for Ace Trucking Co as well. Judge Dredd was always hit or miss. Um, for me for, for various different reasons but um, since then I've built up a healthy collection of the um, black and white reprints with Strontium Dog and Rogue Trooper Judge Dredd um, I, li- I like the classic black and white stuff because I'm really old basically but I just love that kind of classic British comics feel and I, th- I think Marvel UK the original strips there had the same feel which is unsurprising because it was a lot of the same creators yeah well we're going to talk about a 2080 creator because we're going to follow them off piste again and um, my apologies to people who sometimes mention when we do um, American comics tell us what have you chosen for the book club Johnny uh, Excalibur which was and it's uh, Alan Davis's second run in the title when he was writer and penciler with, with Mark Farmer Inkin. Um, so it's issues 42 to 50, which are included in the one of the... Is it the Excalibur Visionaries collection you've got? So I think it's called... It's now called Excalibur Visionaries Alan Davis Volume 1, I think is what it's called. And as you say, it's issues 42 to 50. Uh, where are we? 1991, thereabouts? Uh, nineteen, uh, I'll be nineteen ninety one. Um, Excalibur Special Edition was out in nineteen eighty eight. I think it was produced in nineteen eighty seven, and the regular series started later on in nineteen eighty eight. And as you say, obviously written and drawn by Alan Davis, Mark Farmer on inks, colours by Glynis Oliver, letters Michael Hesler, and editor Terry Kavanagh. Um, so it's an interesting choice. Why? I mean, you said yourself you're a bit of a Marvel zombie. Why, why did you choose particularly Excalibur for the book club? What, one of my favourite comics growing up was Captain Britain, uh, and I didn't have a I didn't have a complete run of Captain Britain comics because I would get weekly comics delivered, and and it was much harder for whatever reason to find the monthly titles. Um, but very very early on, I saw I had a Marvel superheroes comic. Um, and, and I saw Alan Davis's work right from his, 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 I think it was like his second or, th- no, it would have been his third or fourth um, episode of Captain Britain. And even though it was very, very rough, I totally fell in love with his work. There was just something about it. And then when I saw Harry Twenty in the High Rock and then DR and Quinch, I was like, who is this guy? It's amazing. So he was one of the first artists that I really looked for to get, probably him and John Byrne were the two guys that if I, if I knew they had a title coming out, a comic coming out, I would go out of my way to try and find it. So when Excalibur was launching, um, when I was a kid, it would have been 1988, so I'd have been um, 14, I was really excited. And I remember getting it in AKA Comics in Glasgow and talking my friend into getting the killing joke. I was like, oh, you just get that. <laughs> I'll, I'll get this instead. And we would swap them and, and, and read them because we're always swapping comics. Who's my next door neighbour. But yeah, for years when the killing joke was worth a wee bit of money, he'd laugh at me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you still stuck with that Excalibur special edition. 
but yeah, so Excalibur's always been a comic that I really, really liked. And and I think that for, for me personally, in terms of my connection to it and what Alan Davis meant to me as my favourite artist growing up, I think that runs up there with something like Walt Simonson's Thor or um, Stern and Buscema and, and, and Tom Palmer's running Avengers. You know, those, those classic Marvel runs from that period. I think the only thing that really, really surpasses it is probably Matsy Kelly and, and Frank Miller and Daredevil Born Again. I, th- I think that just, I mean, that's transcendental. That's, that's an incredible piece of work. But this is, this is right up there. This is fantastic. And of course, we've not long done Born Again on this very podcast. Um, and we've also in the past covered the Alan Moore, Alan Davis, Captain Britain, those Captain Britain comics, as you said, which were slightly difficult to chase the story around different titles. But I mean, um, I think regular listeners will know that I love that Captain Britain run. I think surprisingly, or perhaps not surprisingly, loads of people love that run, don't they? And the introduction of the Fury and uh, other characters like that. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, let's just fill us in. What, who are Excalibur? Well, what's the sort of basic setup of the group? So the original pitch for Excalibur was the X-Men in Europe. This, the story which started off in Excalibur Special Edition built out of what was happening in the X-Men title at the time, which followed, followed the mutants. So Nightcrawler, Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler, and Kitty Pride, who was Shadowcat, um, they were both injured and were recuperating in, oh gosh, what's it called? Muir Isle in, in Scotland. So they weren't in the X-Men main title at that time, so they were free for Excalibur. And originally, Colossus was going to be the strongman of the team, but to get Alan Davis to draw Excalibur, Chris Clement included Captain Britain as well. Um, so that was that was the thing that got Davis on board, apparently. Um, so there's Captain Britain as well, and there's Megan, who's his love interest as well. And then Rachel Summers, who was Phoenix at the time, is also on the team. The last member of the original lineup is Widget, who kind of is a kind of sentient metallic head that can teleport. Um, so that's that's the lineup when we when we start off with these issues. But Davis introduces quite a few new characters as well, and then there's a supporting cast uh, made up of um, the Stuart twins. Um, and Di Thomas, who's a policeman. Um, I remember Di Thomas, obviously, from the Captain Britain run. Uh, And, of course, Megan was introduced there as well. We've talked about her, I think, in the past. So, initially, it's Chris Claremont writing when the Excalibur strip started. And I did collect... I did get those early issues, the Claremont ones. Uh, I can't remember... does, Does he stay on it for about, I don't know, a couple of years, Chris Claremont? So... Alan Davis stayed on. He decided to leave after issue 17 because he was right up against deadlines. There'd been a couple of fill-in issues. Ron Lim had did one on issue eight and then Marshall Rogers had had done a two-parter, which I was gutted about at the time. Even though he's a great artist, um, I was gutted because Alan Davis's design work for um, the Nazi version of Excalibur was so good. I was really looking forward to the next issue. And then I was like, oh, come on, Marshall Rogers, really? Um, uh, so he was kind of up against it for, for deadlines. Chris Claremont was really stretched at the time too because um, they were building up to the launch of the, the new X-Men title with Jim Lee and I think the Wolverine um, solo series had started as well. So he was he was right up against deadlines too. And I think that really shows, and not a special edition, but after the first few issues of Excalibur, you can really see it, it, it start to strain, particularly after the Inferno tie-in which is round about, I think it's, that's, aye, round about issues six, seven, eight. They, they, you can tell that they're not quite firing in all cylinders. It's a little bit rushed. Um, so by the time Davis, I think Davis's final two issues in his first one was he came back for issue 23 and 24, which is the kind of Judge Dredd style alternative universe that they're in, um, which, is, which is fantastic because, you know, you don't see a lot of Alan Davis drawing Judge Dredd, so you see what that would be like. I think he only did one issue, or one, rather, episode of Judge Dredd, um, although he was down to do a Batman-Judge Dredd crossover as well. He was, yes. Uh, he was supposed to do, I think... He was he was mooted for Judgment on Gotham, wasn't he? Yes. 
If I'm right in thinking they sort of lured Alan Davis back to the title when it became, you know, that he could write it himself. Aye, I think he was at the stage in his career where he was wanting to do things himself. He'd been pitching a couple of comic ideas about. One was called Workforce, um, which featured characters which became the character Cerise in the redesign of, of Widget and Excalibur, which is a bit like Dave Cockrum, what he did with Legion of Superheroes and X-Men back in the day, kind of recycling designs, which I think is a pretty common thing that happens. Um, so he was looking to do take that kind of, um, I suppose, auteur approach for his comics. He'd also started working with a new inker as well, Mark Farmer. He was no longer working with, with Paul Neary, who had inked him in his first run and had been his mentor when he'd come through at Marvel UK back at the start of his career. Um, so there was a change there too. And just before we get into Alan Davis and Mark Farmer in more detail, I mean, give us a, a little sort of synopsis. What sort of adventures are Excalibur up to in this sort of run of eight issues that I've got? Well, it's 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 funny. One of the things I think about Excalibur up to that point was that it was very... Like Chris Claremont, I think has probably got the reputation for a couple of things. One's been a maybe a wee bit verbose at times. And the other thing is, is meandering subplots that he completely forgets about. So it was a title that had lost a bit of cohesion. So when Davis came on board, one of the things that the editor Terry Kavanagh had spoken about was tying up a lot of those loose ends. And that, I think, what Davis does is take a much more structured approach to the title. So the, the comics we're looking at I think is the first act of, 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 of three acts to his run or, or three arcs to his run. Um, and it's very much about um, the emergence of Necrom as, as a villain who wants to steal the Phoenix Force from, from Rachel. Um, and there's various different subplots which intertwine. When I was rereading it, it was actually reminded me of the way that, um, I don't know if you watch Seinfeld, but the, the way that Seinfeld episodes are constructed, there's, there's A plots, B plots, C plots, mm-hmm. and each character has something to do in each episode. That's very much the way that Davis writes Excalibur, which I think it's the, the Paul Levitt's model of writing. He, he wrote a lot of Legion of Superheroes comics back in the day, and he would do the same thing with his plots, that the B plot would become the A plot, the C plot would become the, the B plot, and Davis does that. Um, so so the, the eight issues sees... New characters like Cerise introduced, the redesign of Widget, um, new supporting cast members like Micromax, um, Amelia Witherspoon, who is a psychic that works alongside Di Thomas. And when I was reading the comics, I was like, that really reminds me of someone. And I realised it's Margaret Rutherford, who I think played Miss Marple. The original Miss um, Marple, yes. <laughs> I, I really know her from somewhere. And Davis does that sometimes. He's, he's very good at caricatures, but kind of drawing them in his style so it doesn't take you out the story. So there's various different things happening in, in, in these issues. He resolves the, the I don't think it was ever a particularly convincing love triangle between um, Captain Britain, Nightcrawler and Megan. He gives a lot more character depth to, to Megan. He resolves some of the issues round about Captain Britain as well and almost reclaims that character a bit. Um he makes him, he kind of evolves a character, makes him more competent over over that second run, and explains why he's been why he's been the the, the butt of the jokes and and the and the earlier slapstick issues of Excalibur. Um, it explains a lot more about Captain Britain's powers. The Technet um, are reintroduced as well. The special executive shows back up. It's just it's just a fantastic uh, set of series, but it's all really about. Um, bringing those disparate plot threads together, tying up loose ends uh, for issue 50, which is a big fight between Necrom, Phoenix and Excalibur. Um, So there's a lot in those issues. There certainly is, yes. and There is indeed. There's also, I suppose, a constant feature of Captain Britain stories, which is the other dimension or other earth versions of the captain britain core which is always great fun when they show up isn't it yeah i mean that's well that's where the whole 616 uh, marvel universe comes from alan moore's run uh, in captain britain where where he featured other worlds quite a lot as well and then in the captain britain 
monthly run, which was scripted by Jamie Delano and plotted by him and Alan Davis. Um, it was revealed that Captain Britain's father was from Otherworld. He was one of Merlin's chosen guards. So he and um, his twin sister, Betsy Braddock, who's Psylocke and the X-Men, are half alien, technically. Um, so yeah, they go back to Otherworld a lot. And yeah, I, lo- I love that. The, the alternative universe stuff can, can... When it's done well, it's fantastic. It really, really is. And the original run of Excalibur, written by Chris Claremont, was, shall I say, known for a sort of comic comic tone, you know, um, Chris Kerman leaning into his comedic writing. And I seem to remember that some of the covers by Alan Davis were also extremely funny as well, uh, including the cover where there was just a janitor pushing a mop bucket saying you're expecting to see some super heroics, but, you know, it's just me or something like that. Um, do yes. they keep up that comedic tone? You know, does Alan, how does well does Alan Davis handle that? I think he changes the... I think it changes the tone of the comic. It's, it's interesting where originally it felt a bit like, not the special edition, but the actual um, regular series itself, felt sometimes like an X-Men comic featuring Captain Britain and Megan. This feels more like a Captain Britain comic. Um, with you know, There's more of a balance across all the characters. Um, he's less the, the, the kind of... Um, it's less of a kind of slapstick feel to the to the to the comedy now. I mean that's still there, but there's a lot more emphasis and progressing the plot. And I guess that's partly because of the remit that Terry Kavanagh gave him when he came on board. Can you tie up some of these loose ends? And it's clear that that Davis had a um, very clear um, end goal for for his for his story in particular beats he wanted to hit. I don't think Chris Clement had that presumably because of how busy he was and because he was more of a kind of freewheeling writer. Um, but it's still very funny at times, part, partly because Alan Davis is his fantastic comedy chops. He's, he's very good at pacing. He's very good at setting up jokes and then, then paying them off. Um, some of his character designs are, are, are really, really funny as well. Um, and, but, but, there's, but he's very good at the tragic comedy stuff as well, and he's very, very good at pathos. Um, he's, he's very good at drawing characters um, interacting and, and, and getting their body language across and, and facial acting as well he's, um, so yes yeah, so that comedy is absolutely still in there but I think it's probably more of a more of a um, conventional superhero comics than the original one or rather the earlier Excalibur issues were Okay well let's get into his artwork um, I'll, you know you mentioned his comedy chops we just refer back to 2018 and obviously dr and quinch which was hysterical at times what what was your favorite uh, what was your favorite of his 2000 ad um sort of strips uh well i, I love harry 20 and the high rock as well and dr and quinch was probably the first comic i ever cried laughing at um i, I still remember I must have read it in the best of 2018. Um, I still remember crying with laughter at Mind, Mind the Oranges, Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> really cracks me up. Um, and Harry 20 and I Rock, I loved so much that I bought. Um, I managed to get that run off eBay for not not too bad a price. Um, and, and they were in decent condition as well, which is amazing because 2008 paper is like, I don't know, it's like rice paper yes. <laughs> printed on. As soon as you touch the, you touch it as well, your hands are covered in black ink. So, aye, so both those strips are my favourite. And, and DR and Quinch is a bit different because you see some of his different artistic influences really coming out there. Um, he was a big fan of uh, Leo Baxendale. Um, was like, oh god, what's it called? Grimly Fiendish. Oh yes, he's yeah. A big, uh, big fan of the, that comic strip when he's growing up. And you really see that Dr. and Quinch. But, um, oh, that yeah, that was one of my favourite comics as a kid. There was another one um, he didn't draw. It was Mike Collins uh, that Alan Moore wrote, Dower Devil in the oh, yeah. Devil yeah. spoof strip. And again, I was crying laughing reading that as well. It's just so ridiculous. So I, I, Dr. and Quinch, I love. Okay, well, let's turn to this run of his on Excalibur. What do you make of his art uh, here in in this um, Visionaries volume? These, uh, I think it's nine issues, isn't it? I, I. So I, I don't have that volume. I've, I've got the the single issues. Right. Um, so, I, Alan Davis is pretty good at drawing comics. <laughs> <laughs> he's not bad, is he? He's pretty good. Ah, um, he's he's he's. I think he's his line is incredibly clean. 
his construction is excellent. From a technical point of view, his perspective is, is fantastic. He can pretty much draw any background. I think probably the thing he's most known... He's a strange artist because I think he's an artist artist. He, he never seemed to be a really big name the way that Jim Lee was or Rob Liefeld was or Eric Larson was, you know, round about that time of the late the mid to late 80s and then early 90s. And, and, and I don't know if that was the kind of Wizard Magazine influence because of its hot artists, but he's definitely an artist artist because when you hear other, um, like his peers talk about him, like the, you know, they obviously think he's, he's incredible. Um, I think I think out of that mid-80s to mid-90s period, I would say him and Steve Rudd and maybe Jaime Hernandez are the three best comic artists. And I think they've got a similar kind of clean line style. I think Steve Rudd and Alan Davis are quite close in terms of the, how good their figure work is and the clean line style. Um, and I think that's because of their influences. When I look at Alan Davis's art, um, you know, you can see a lot of Frank Bellamy in it, and that's partly because he based um, Captain Britain's design on Garth, the old newspaper strip. Um, but I also see a lot of Gil Kane in there, which I see in um, Steve Wood as well. They can manipulate and twist bodies. So, I mean, Alan Davis can draw bodies from almost any angle. I think probably the thing he's... <laughs> I don't know, but he's... I don't know if he's most well-known for this, but he's, he's very good at drawing women. Yes. <laughs> And and he draws his heroic archetypes, like Captain Britain and Megan, are you know ridiculously good looking, <laughs> attractive characters. Um, but he's very good at drawing different body types as well. He's got excellent. He's got a very um, beautiful clean line, a, a wonderful naturalistic or illustrative style. He's also very good at the kind of um, Bigfoot cartooning that comes from that Leo Baxendale influence. I think his stuff looks a lot like John Buscema as well and the way he, he constructs male figures in particular and the way he constructs female figures, I think, is very like John Burns, who, you know, is a 2000 AD artist, but used to draw George and Lynn. And I know that Alan Davis used to keep scrapbooks of the George and Lynn uh, newspaper strips. Oh, right. And I think it's original art as well. And you can see it, it's, it's, it's the Burns. Yes. <laughs> it's the same Burns. And it's funny because when I learned to draw women, I would reverse engineer Alan Davis's women's bums as well. It's just a particular shape because um, obviously all figures are just made up of shapes. That's the second time so, George yeah. and Lynn have, has come up on this podcast. <laughs> You'll have to do an episode of George and Lynn. My, my mum my mom was really a strange person, really big royalist, really conservative person, which is, I suppose is quite rare from the West Coast, from the West Coast of Scotland. But used to get the news of the world, and George and Lynn was in it. And so when I was a, I don't know, early teenager, <laughs> something which intrigued me for different reasons. Yes, obviously. I that, I but the artwork's amazing. I mean, it's 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 really good. He did uh, Jane as well. Um, those are strange newspaper strips. I mean, yeah. newspapers were really weird in the eighties. They anyway, were. But, yes, it was a very strange time. Yeah. Aye, aye, really bizarre. Obviously, we've talked about a few 2000 AD graduates who've gone on to American comics. And the question I put in our notes was whether Alan Davis is the most successful in terms of being still doing sequential comic book art. Um, I mean, obviously, Brian Bolland's exclusively covers... Uh, Simon Bisley might be drawing a um, Joe Pineapple strip. We may not be. Uh, <laughs> Hi. He's supposed to be drawing up for a while. Dave Gibbons not doing so much now. But Alan Davis still turns up in Marvel. I mean, I bought the Hawkeye collection, um, the David, you know, the Matt Fraction, David Aha one, and there was a Kate Bishop Young Avengers story in there, which was, again, Alan Davis and Mark Farmer, which was, you know, amazing. Is he the best of the 2000 AD graduates who's still doing sort of comic book art? Oh, this is, this is where you're getting into that. You get into the difference between who's the best and who's the greatest. Yeah. Like for example, some people might say Kirby's the greatest American comic artist, but I would argue he's not, he's not the best. I would say Alex Toth probably is. But the greatest probably is Kirby, if you take into account yeah. his, his impact and the quantity as well. Is he the best? Uh, yeah, when I was when I saw your notes, I was like, he's going to mention Brian Bolland because he said sequential, so he must cover the <laughs> colours. But Alan Davis is a is an excellent cover artist too. Yeah. 
And I think he and Bolland are similar in their cover approach because they're very good at showing us, telling a story with a cover and, 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 and showing humour on a cover as well. They both get that kind of playfulness. Although I think Bolland's humour is <laughs> quite a bit darker than Alan Davis's. There's a kind of sweetness to a lot of Alan Davis's work, I think. Whereas Ryan Bollins has got more of an edge to it. I think they're both incredible. Um, I think he's... I don't, know about, see, I don't even know about financially. Yes, I would say so. I think right. he's a better storyteller, right. sequential storyteller than, than Brian Bollins. Brian Bollins stuff's, excuse me, stiffer. Yes. Um, maybe because he uses more photo reference. And again, Davis has got that Gil Kane in his art. Um, that's not something I'm just picking out like from being really good at telling these things, there's a great interview in Modern Masters Volume 1. It's basically a, I don't know how long the book is, but like 60-page interview with Alan Davis. And he talks about his influences being, you know, John Buscema, Gil Kane, Frank Bellamy, Frank Hampson, Don Lawrence, Leo Baxendale, um, Neil Adams, Jim Aparo. And he specifically mentions Jim Aparo for that neck that yeah. Captain Britain's got. And, who else? and Steve Ditko, which, which surprised me as well. But you can see that sometimes. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right. He, pro- he probably is. He's probably the best um, sequential comic artist um, to have succeeded in US comics. The caveat for that, I would say, is that there's guys like, oh, sorry, guys, people like um, Mick McMahon, who for some reason, or, or uh, Kevin O'Neill um, or Ian Gibson, who for whatever reason their styles too British. Yeah. Because um, Alan Davis, I think Alan Davis is amazing. He's one of my favourite comic artists, but it's very digestible, I suppose, for an American audience than a Kevin Ellis um, or maybe Mick McMahon as well. And maybe Simon Bisley too, for that matter. It's it's just it's different. And we don't often talk about inkers for artists uh, on this podcast, particularly because, you know, British artists often do the whole package themselves. But when we say Alan Davis, we almost always have to say, and Mark Farmer. How important is Mark Farmer to his work, do you think? I mean, it's one of the biggest sort of best-known creative partnerships still going, isn't it? Aye, I think that's part like his... There's an interview with Mark Farmer and Paul Needy in that Modern Masters book, which is out of print now, but you can still get it. I think there's a digital version. It's well worth getting if you're a fan of Alan Davis. It's the best interview with him. Um, and Farmer talks about how loyal Alan Davis is as a person and that really comes across in interviews um, like you don't get in the wrong side of him <laughs> um, which obviously he and Alan knew had had a fallen out and you know various other things but, but Mark, Mark Farmer I think is very important because he emphasised that clean line with a lushness of his brushwork he's very good with a brush um, he, he's, he's kind of very much I suppose in that Joe Sinnott school of inking like, you know, having the brush rather than a Terry Austin who uses pigment liners, so you get a thinner line. When you see Alan Davis's pencils without Mark Farmer and inks, you, you can see what Farmer's adding. I think they're great together. I think Paul Neary was also a very, very good inker for Alan Davis as well. And Davis describes the difference between them both as Mark Farmer um, has, a, has a kind of rounder finish, whereas Paul Neary has a kind of squarer finish. And you see that in the heads for Alan Davis, because of the things that are appealing about his art, that curve to his line when drawing women or men, Mark Farmer um, accentuates that. So I think he's absolutely crucial um, for how you know aesthetically beautiful the, the images are. I remember um, meeting Alan Davis um, at a sign-in, I think at one of the Birmingham conventions back when those things used to happen. Um, and... There's a big long line for Alan Davis, and next to him on a table is Mark Farmer, who was doing some sketches, I think, but had nobody queuing for him. But Alan Davis would, if if the book he was asked to sign had been inked by Mark Farmer, he would always say, he'd pass it over to Mark and say, here, you get, you get Mark to sign this as well. Uh, as you say, very loyal to him. Have, have you had a chance to meet Alan Davis yourself? I've not, and <laughs> I'm quite... Uh... I'm not shy, but I, 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 there's a couple of times I've, I've met, nearly met rather, people who like I really look up to as a cartoonist. Um, one was Howard Chaik and one was Sean Phillips. I did speak to Eric Larson at Glasgow, but that's because one of my friends, 
went up to him and said, oh, my, my, my pal really likes your work. Is it okay if he comes over and speaks to you? So I was at school disco and I was so embarrassed, but I just, I, I don't like really bothering folk, but Alan Davis is like, I mean, he was, I mean, he has a hero of mine like, uh, from, a, from a comics point of view and I, I've never met him, but I would love to. Aye. I would lo- I'd love to get a, a sketch of his, although I think his, his commission prices are out of my price range. I was going to say, he's pretty pricey, I should imagine, isn't he? Uh, I think it's a couple of a couple of grand, maybe. Um, right. Okay. He's not going. I mean, well, John Burns about ten grand for if you want to want him to draw the X Men or anything. So maybe more than that, actually. Is um, I mean, if we think about Excalibur, I mean, if I think about Captain Britain and Megan and some of the supporting cast in Excalibur, like the Technet, the Crazy Gang and Special Executive, I always think of Alan Davis drawing them. Is he the definitive Excalibur artist for you? Aye, it's funny you say that, because he didn't create the Special Executive or the Crazy Gang. Paul Needy and Dave Thorpe um, created and designed the Crazy Gang. And it would have been Alan Moore and Dave David Lloyd Right, like War Dog and Zeitgeist and Cobweb, and I think it was Doctor Who weekly. It was Doctor Who, yeah. yes, yeah. Aye, so but I think he's the definitive Excalibur artist. I think he's the definitive Captain Britain. Art. I, I actually, it's funny because I used to be a completist, like a lot of comic readers are. You know, I had to get complete runs. I couldn't miss an issue, or it, I don't know, drove me nuts. But Excalibur was always different. I just wasn't interested in reading it if Alan Davis hadn't drawn it. Marshall Rogers and Ron Lim are, you know, very good cartoonists, but I'd be so disappointed if Alan Davis hadn't drawn it. And the only other time, the only other comic I can think of that has got that such a strong tie between the art, for me, between the artist and the character is Nexus, where if Steve Rude wasn't drawn it, if it was like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez drawn it, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> it's like it's Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, who's pretty much the, the greatest DC artist ever. But I'm still disappointed because it's not Steve Rude. It's 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 very very strange. It's I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't think anyone else can draw Captain Britain's costume like Alan Davis. No one seems to be able to get it right. Yeah. Um, and you'd see that when Arthur Adams is drawn, it gets the the helmet wrong, and 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 it is a hard design to draw. So yeah, I absolutely think he is. I think he's he's arguably the definitive Nightcrawler artist as well because he really changed the the visual. This, the look of the character, he made him taller, he made him more of a leading man, um, which you don't really see if you look at the Dave Cockrum original design. I mean, John Byrne prettified him because he had a he'd, uh, um, kind of more open style that Alan Davis made, you know, really re-emphasised the swashbuckling aspects of the character. Um, so, so I, I think you're totally right, he is, absolutely. I can't even think of anyone that even comes close. No, nor me. I mean, our friend Tony Esmond plays this game where he asks people who's their Batman artist or their Spider-Man artist, which I sometimes find difficult. But if it was, you know, who's your artist for Captain Britain? I'd be Alan Davis, yeah. <laughs> Nobody else. I can't think of anybody else, you know. Which is interesting because it always makes me think of, that argument makes me think of Pat Mills. Right. Um, and he talks about, you know, when someone creates a character, but then someone comes along and develops it. Um, that's a good. I mean, Alan Davis didn't do. I mean, he, I suppose he redesigned the character and reinterpreted it. Um, and I know that was an issue with reprinting Captain Britain for a long time because of the work that he and Alan Moore had done, um, which is why it wasn't collected for a long time because he withheld the permission to to reproduce that that work, which is why the special executive didn't show up until these issues as well, because I, th- I think Alan Moore would have owned. A partly owned War Dog. Apparently, because Marvel UK didn't have formal contracts, right? And neither does 2008 or that type of 2008 never used to either. So <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there. No, um, but but I so, but that makes me think about it. So he is so closely associated with that character, but he didn't create it. Are these? I mean. You, how do I put this? We know you're a big fan of these comics, aren't you, Excalibur? Massively, aye. I mean, <laughs> they, they, I mean, they really do. Aye, it's it's funny. I, I I didn't I didn't get his second run. I'd stopped collecting Excalibur when he when he'd left after issue twenty four. I was like, I, I mean, I, I found. I'm sure Chris Wozniak is a really nice person, and I'm sure he's a good cartoonist. But his style was a million miles away from Alan Davis, and it was so rough, and it was just. 
it was so blocky and it, and it felt almost like a kind of um, how's it like Chris Truag or someone like that like a kind of first comic of the time which I didn't know then but looking back that's probably what it's quite like it was more of a kind of DC style artist I just wasn't interested I mean how do you follow Alan Davis the only person I think would about that time that had I mean, would be someone like Steve Wood or at the peak of his powers um, John Byrne before his inking style got too scratchy because it's just I mean, Alan Davis has got, he's, he's a, he puts a lot of detail in his panels, but he's got a very, again, because that clean style, it's not like a Todd McFarlane where you can hide mistakes by like throwing in lots and lots of um, lines or, or, or crosshatch or whatever it is. Everything is there. So if he makes a mistake, you will see it. And one of the remarkable things about Alan Davis is after those first few Captain Britain stories, maybe by the time he's got to Daredevils, he's he smoothed off most of his rough edges. And by the time you get to Excalibur Special Edition, it's just ridiculous, his level of his craft and, and how good-looking um, his, his comics are. <clears throat> I'm obviously getting emotional now, as you can hear from my voice. <laughs> Sorry about these comics. Um, I'm not really, I just clear my throat. Um, aye, I think they're, they're, they're great comics. What, what do you think about them? I mean, do you... I just, well, I, I love... Alan Davis's artwork, um, like yourself, I also love that we did see his rough edges in those early uh, Captain Britons and then and, and then in, in the prog, and then we see him become this superlative artist. And I also love it was quite fun getting back into the insane craziness of Excalibur. That it's you know there's a certain madcap nature about superhero comics here that's fun again. Um, yes. You know, because this is where are we now? We're in the early '90s for this run, '91, uh, '92. Comics had gone through that very sort of dark phase, hadn't they, in the late '80s, where everything had to be grim and gritty, and there was a little bit. We were talking about it before we started recording. There's a little bit of pushback from things like the Justice League title and then Excalibur, where they just became fun again, which is um, great stuff. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it's great. I thought it's crazy stuff. And looking at Alan Davis's artwork is um, is just uh, immense. Uh, it's just great fun. How does this? Because there's a, what? There's 125 issues of Excalibur. I think 125, and there's six special editions right. had as well. And I don't know about annuals. I'm not too sure. And how does this this particular run in the 40s up to issue 50, how does that fit in um, or stand out amongst that over 100 issues? Is, it, is this one of the key moments for you or one of the key runs? Uh, after Alan Davis read, uh, sorry, left for the second time, I stopped reading. Oh, right, OK. Excalibur. I picked up Captain Britain in, was it MI13? Yes, the Paul Cornell uh, one. Aye, it wasn't for me. It's quite funny because I read an interview with Alan Davis and they asked him if he'd been approached to do it. He said, oh yeah, they asked me to do covers, but I didn't like it. (laughs) So I didn't want to. Uh, Which is why Brian Hitch um, did it, uh, did the covers. I don't think he liked what they were doing with Captain Britain. It's it's funny actually because they've redesigned that character's costume so many times in the last few years. I can barely recognise him a, a lot of the time. I, I mean, Alan Davis, that's that's why I was reading it, has taken Captain Britain. And again, it's just because of that. I, I, I just don't think anyone draws Captain Britain properly but him. I mean, it's almost, I mean, I guess it's, it's, I mean, it's quite irrational when you think about it. It's just, it just doesn't look right. It's weird. It'd be like watching, you know, you could watch a Scooby-Doo episode or a Yogi Bear episode by Pablo Picasso. It's not going to look right. You know, it's not. it's not to say that it's, you know, not incredible in its own way. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. So, um, not that Chris Wozniak is. I'm not comparing to Pablo Picasso. <laughs> I'm not picking on Chris Wozniak either. That's a shame. He's, I hope he doesn't. I hope he's not one of your regular listeners. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he speaks very highly of you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, he's going to email you after this. Who is that guy? Who do you think he is? <laughs> Um, if we, you know, if we step outside of Excalibur and his 2000 AD titles, are there any other uh, Alan Davis comics that you're a big fan of? I think, yeah, I thought, I thought a lot about this. I think it's two, the two comics he's drawn that are the most, like, technically amazing 
it's probably like Scalabur special edition because we had more time to work on it as well. I think I think he's an art, artist that maybe struggles with with monthly deadlines, and you can see that with the number of fill-in issues mm. uh, he's had in both his Scalabur runs. Um, I don't think the story is very good, but I think Avengers Prime that he did with Brian Michael Bent. God, I hope he's not one of your regular listeners either. Um, I think the artwork in that is incredible. It's absolutely stunning. Um, for a reason that actually shows up in the Grail page that you you picked, the way that it constructs, it really adds depth to panels, and particularly when there's a lot of characters, a lot of action in it. Um, I think that's that's incredible. I think uh, I love his Captain Britain work, the the earlier stuff as well. There's just something to it, and it's really funny when when I read the special edition, um, and I would have been fourteen. Up until that point, I wanted to be a comic artist. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. That or a boxer um, or Spider-Man, but it was maybe a bit old for that then. And reading that comic, I actually started crying because I just realised I am never going to be as good at drawing as this guy. I just I just won't be. I know that. So that made me stop drawing for, for I don't know how long, quite a while, and give up those dreams seriously. Which is strange, though, when I got Panini Collection and looked back at his earlier stuff, and I've never seen a cartoonist go from being that, I don't want to say bad, it's not bad, but that amateurish to that good in such a short space of time. I mean, he becomes Alan Davis so quickly. He does, yeah. Uh, by, by about issue, I think it's like issue four or five, the Daredevils, he's there. You know, we're almost there. I mean, there's still some rough edges, but all that's getting smoothed off. And his style is so smooth. So I would say my favourite work of his is probably, probably in that Captain Britain monthly run I, I don't know what it is there's just something about it even though we, I, I mean he mentions in the Modern Masters interview I don't think he particularly liked working with Jamie Delano and I don't think it was a particularly positive experience or a particularly happy collaborative relationship but it's just it's just so good there's something about it um, it's something about it it feels more British than Excalibur Excalibur feels more transatlantic to me you know it's an American comic so it's got those kind of beats but you're, you're totally right it's got that British weirdness mm. in it um, those weird um, idiosyncrasies like um, like the designs for some of the characters which appear in later issues like the Seraphim like characters like Peanut <laughs> and Celery and you see the Leo Baxendale stuff in there and, and the character designs can come straight out of DR and Quinch the long arms short legs you know the grotesque faces and you see that in the crazy gang as well with Tweedle Tweedledum yeah um, so yeah it's, oh, it's great and, and uh, oh god what's his name Thug or Legion from, right. from the special executive yeah. technique. Okay. Um, I'll get you to, we'll do the Grail page game in just a moment. Um, the other thing that occurs to me listening to the 2080 Thrillcast is that we're going to get some 2080 Artist Apex editions. Brian Bolland is first. I think there's a Mick McMahon one coming next year. There's also a special art of Carlos Esquerra book coming out next year as well now you've mentioned the modern masters because obviously there's some american comics artist editions for alan davis would would there be enough 2000 ad material for an apex edition um of 2000 ad stuff of alan davis and, and would you like to see that i really like I really liked Harry Twenty and the High Rock at the time, but looking back, it's very much like those early Captain Britons. He's, you know, that's why he got so good so, good so quickly because he was drawing, I think, 36 pages a month. Yeah. Um, so he was working on Harry Twenty and the High Rock, Captain Britain at the same time. He was probably doing Miracle Man roundabout then as well. And then he went on to do, I think it was uh, Detective Comics and Batman and the Outsiders. Batman and the Outsiders, yeah. I uh, thought for DC, which is, which, is, which is good as well. I don't. I don't know. I mean, all I can think that he's done for two thousand eight is Darren Quinch, which is a, which is amazing. Absolutely, that Harry Twenty in the High Rock and the uh, Judge Dread. He only did one Judge Dread. The Batmugger so story, the yeah, uh, which is beautiful. But I, I don't know if he's done anything else apart from that. Some future shocks. He went back and did Darren Quinch again, didn't he? The problem pages. Yes, he did. I think that was with Jamie right. Delano as well, wasn't it? Uh, I think Possibly. so. Aye. Yeah, because. Jamie Delano was a kind of uh, protege of Alan Moore's. That's that's how he ended up in Captain Britain. So I don't know if there'd be enough there for an Apex edition, 
but I'd love to see his original art. Yeah, because um, it's amazing. Because you can always, I mean, it's a thing I'd buy anyway to to learn from it and study it um, as much as enjoy. Because um, they're not the easiest books to sit down and actually read because they're so big. Um, yes. Uh, they are going to be fairly massive tomes. But, yeah, OK, well, maybe. We'll see. Um, well, let's make a... While we're talking about original art, then let's make it easier. Let's imagine we could find the original art for issues 42 to 50 of Excalibur by Alan Davis and that we could afford it. Choose some grail pages to hang in the gallery. Oh, I, I was telling you before this, I'd narrowed it down to three. Um, and the one I'm probably going to go for is from issue... Um, 49 and it's in it's page 17 um, I'm just going to double check that doesn't include adverts no it doesn't page 17 and it starts off with a um, three quarters overhead kind of long shot in the kitchen of the lighthouse with Ferrin, Megan and Cerise and Cerise is eating <laughs> hot dogs um, so it's quite comical and then this grotesque chef their alternative reality version of Captain Britain shows up and they're in this disgusting kitchen um, and there's a medium shot from the side panel and the chef's pointing at them and they're, they're pulling away and the thing I love about it is just the the character what the body language the comedic beats but also you get to see Davis's his kind of illustrative style but also his Bigfoot cartooning on the page as well um, I, I absolutely love that page there was another couple of pages another couple of pages I'd, I'd love as well but you could pretty much pick any page from any issue and I would lose my mind looking at it because um, I think he's incredible. So if you've got the digital edition, that is page 176 in the digital edition, which I'll come to in a moment. Tell us about the other two pages as well that you mentioned. Cause we <laughs> did just tormenting me now. never swap, be able to get. <laughs> we did swap the images before we recorded. Yeah. So issue 43... And it's page 24 in the, in the issue, and it starts off with a um, close-up of Megan, who's crying. Yeah. And then the next panel, she's flying away from Excalibur. This is just after Captain Britain's fight with 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 um, Nightcrawler. And I just really like the way that it goes from close-up to long shot, the way that it, it you know, it's in the close-up to show the emotion in Megan's face, and then, it's, then it's, it, it goes down... Um, it's a six-panel page. The last panel, you're pulling out of the scene, so you see the impact of Captain Britain's actions. It's just, it's a really good storytelling. It's a really nice page design, but it's excellent storytelling as well. Great character acting. The other <laughs> other page I selected, I'm laughing because honestly, it could have been every page. It's from issue 46, and it's the fight in the toilet between <laughs> yes. Kylan and Nightcrawler. Kylan was one of my favourite characters. When I, when I read this run, because there's not really that many Scottish characters in comics, and I love his power set. I just, I, it just really adds the character that he's got a terrible power, that he can reproduce any sound, but he's really good with swords. I love his character design, the way that his insignia is Widget, Widget's head, a schematic of that. Um, I just think he's a fantastic character. So aye, that page ends with uh, Kylan seemingly cutting off Nightcrawler's head but he's not really because his swords won't hurt anyone pure of heart or virtuous Um, so that page is fantastic so those are pages 45 and 101 in the digital edition and I will post the images when this episode comes out just before Christmas time Um, you mentioned Alan Davis doing the swashbuckling Nightcrawler Kurt Wagner who loved he sort of like a devotee of uh, Errol Flynn movies and things like that. Always liked a bit of a sword fight. The one thing I noticed with his Nightcrawler, and for anybody who doesn't know, Nightcrawler is the blue X-Men who can teleport but likes to uh, do gymnastics and loves a sword fight. Does Was Alan Davis the one who gave him the sort of claw, heel, thumb thing of his foot? No, I think um, that was in Dave Cockrum's design. Nightcrawler uh, was originally a character that was designed for Dave Cockrum's running Legion of Superheroes for DC. Right. Um, and I think it was the same with Storm and some of the characters, the, oh God, what are they called? Is it Celestial Guard? 
So quite a few of his X-Men designs were recycled from characters he never used in Legion of Superheroes. So aye, that's that's where Nightcrawler's kind of... But he's different there. He's smaller. He's uh, an acrobat in the, the circus there. He's, he's, he's still playful, but, but Alan Davis gives the character that kind of... I mean, the swashbuckling was there a little bit, but it gives him more grace, I suppose, and he evolves into more of a more of a leading man in it. Like he's ridiculously handsome in this. So maybe that was there a little bit in John Byrne, but the feet, I'm pretty sure the feet were uh, maybe exaggerated a bit by him. Because I'm just looking at one of the covers, the cover up to 42, and it looks a bit like an animal's feet from a certain angle. Certainly the feet look bigger. Yeah. Um, but aye, it was it's still the original design, just elongated. And the bone structures refined a bit. Okay, I just noticed it on reading these issues. But yeah. my Grail page, I'm going to turn you to page seventy-eight of the digital edition. I wanted Captain Britain in his costume, drawn by Alan Davis. But actually, Captain Britain spends a fair number of these issues in his pajamas. <laughs> so on this page, he's in a typical uh, Alan Davis Captain Britain in a group fight with members of the the other members of the Captain Britain Corps um, and so there's this mass fight in the bottom half of the page uh, and Alan Davis always good at crowd scenes and in putting little characters in the background and it's just fun picking out all these other different versions of Captain Britain in this um, scene and as you said I think you said before we recorded in terms of working out how you do layers of people in a mass fight. Um, this is a great panel to look at. Aye, aye. You can, it's, it's, it's the way he does the foreground, the middle ground and the background. It's, it's almost like a wave. You can almost, when, when you look at stuff, it's, you could almost, it's like looking at almost different laminated layers on top of each other. It's so well designed. The other thing I think he does really well is that three-quarter bird's eye view I think the only person that does that as well as him is, is, excuse me, is John Byrne. And I think that must be the way they do the perspective grids. But yeah, that page is amazing. I was I was jealous when you picked it because I was like, Dan, that was one of the ones I'd thought about. So I will post all these images uh, when this episode comes out. They'll be on the socials, the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. And you can see the ones that Johnny has picked and they become virtually yours. Nobody else can pick them now. Um, sadly, we could probably never afford them. But if we had the unlimited fantasy budget and a, um, a fantasy lighthouse um, <laughs> art gallery to store them in, then we'd be sorted. Absolutely. Although it'd be hard to uh, hang a picture in a lighthouse because the curved walls. Yeah, I know. We'd have to do something weird with the uh, exhibition, but never mind. Uh, We can work on it. (laughs) So, Excalibur uh, Visionaries Alan Davis Volume 1, as I think it's called, is available digitally for a quite reasonable price of £12. The hard copies of the, the trade are extremely hard to find now um out of print i guess and going secondhand for silly money on um various marketplaces you've got the original issues of course they're not too uh, bad in price i don't think the you'll be able to get those issues in one of the epic collections it's maybe epic collection three or maybe four i don't know if that's out of print marvel doesn't keep their stuff in print very well um I don't think the single issues are too expensive. Strangely enough, some of the issues of Captain Britain uh, monthly, I've noticed, have been really up in price. Um, One of them's like a couple of hundred pounds um, for Captain Britain monthly issue 13 um, because it's the first full appearance of Betsy Braddock as Captain Britain. Right. Um, But the Excalibur ones I don't think are too pricey. Even the, I think I got the special edition not too much money a couple of years ago, maybe. Maybe it was about four pounds or something. It was a first print because he did a second print of it. Um, so these they're not they're not too dear to track down, and 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 you know it was a popular rather. It's the time of just running about the speculator boom. So there's plenty of issues kicking about, which is probably why they're so cheap. And I know the Panini Marvel ones over here. They had I think they had the first volume Excalibur, and they also had the uh, what to say? Is it called Pendragon? But I don't know if they went Thanks as far. Dragon. I don't know if they went as far as this uh, run for Excalibur reprints. No, uh, it was the 
it was the original Fisk Claremont Herb Trimpey right. comics. And then we went up through the, oh God, who was it? Paul Neary, John Stokes, and Steve Parkhouse Black Knight strip. That was in there too. Oh, right. And yeah. then it was Dave Thorpe, Alan Moore, Captain Britain. I don't even know if they went as far as the Jamie Delano written stuff. Um, right. There is an omnibus of Captain Britain. Um, as well, which has just been released, but it doesn't include Excalibur either. I don't no. think anyway. I have just picked up that omnibus, the Panini version that's come out. Yes, oh, um, really? goodness knows how many times I've bought those Captain Britain stories now. <laughs> 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 I can, yeah, um, I've got a couple of omnibi, omnibuses, and um, I've got the John Byrne Fantastic Fours and the Frank Miller. Um, devils and my legs just go dead yeah <laughs> it's not my legs i'm really worried about but i they're so heavy it's it's ridiculous so excalibur is great fun thank you for picking it we've had a chance to talk about the wonders of alan davis's artwork and also his writing on these runs but um his his art as an artist he's just superlative uh great fun so it's guest projects time, Johnny. Tell us what, first of all, what we'll find uh, at cannonhillcomics.bigcartel.com. Tell us about your comics. You have saved me so much effort because I can never remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Tony asks me, what's your Twitter handle? What's your... I just can't remember. I've got some mental block. The comic, the main comic I do is called The United and it's a rather shameless <laughs> love letter to Captain Britain comics probably and those Marvel UK comics from the 80s, um, but maybe a little bit, that's not grittier, sort of, uh, a wee bit more noirish, I suppose, than Alan Davis, but that's more because I'm not as good at inking. <laughs> so I'm more Mark Farmer, probably, <laughs> or drawing either, or writing, but never mind. Um, aye, so that, that's the main thing you'll find there. I also do commissions through, through that online story. So in fact, I've got one I need to do after this, of a 1950s noir detective, which, which will be good um, to do. And also Transylvanian Nights, which are uh, co-created with James McCullough. He wrote it and I, and I drew it, although we pitched an ideas both ways. He suggested character designs for some of those characters. That's a um, horror comic. So those are, those are the two main things I've done. Although I did do Space Rats, which was a backup in the United Comics, and I need to finish that off. I'll maybe do that next. That's that's probably the thing I've got that's got most of a, a thing I've done, rather, that's got most of a 2008 feel, and I actually pitched it. To 2000 AD is a future shock story. But they, but they said it was rubbish. They didn't really. <laughs> they just said it wasn't what they were looking for at the time. So, and I got a letter back from, I wonder if I've still got that. I got a letter back from Matt Smith and it, and it had some helpful advice in it as well about pacing, but it was very specific to the way that 2000 AD recommends you do like pacing and, and lettering, you know, they like that top third of the panel clear. Whereas I guess I'm just, uh, yeah. American comics where your word balloon placement's more um, varied, I suppose. But it was really, really good advice around pacing. So, aye. Um, what, else, what else have I done? I can never remember. It's t- I'm terrible at self-promotion. Um, mainly United. So United, welcome to the shit show. Sorry, I, I know you, you don't do swearing here. That's so, all right. We, uh, we can cope with that. You can blank that out, yeah. Um, so that's, that's available on there. And I'm working on the follow-up just now. Um, which is called The United Going Underground, which is kind of standalone story, but some of the characters are reappearing at like Big Cat, who was in part based on Captain Britain, a little bit of physicality, and also the mighty Scotsman, who is a <laughs> Scottish version of Captain Britain, and was in part based on Captain Midlands, who's the Captain Britain um, from another universe, who's got the big beard, and I just really like the way that beard looked underneath the helmet. So, aye. So that, that's the stuff you'll find in there, and that's the comic I'm, I'm working on just now. And I just realised, speaking to you, who Captain Britain reminds me of. Did you notice how his hair gets bigger and bigger? Yes. It's George Michael. Oh, he gets, he gets 80s George, George Michael hair. Buffon hair, yeah, that, yeah. That's who he's based on. Um, so, aye, that and the, the shoulder pads in, in Excalibur comics, that, that really sets it in that late 80s period. 
So, so I, that's what I'm working on just now. Ah, George Michael's hair in the eighties. And uh... <laughs> you know, I'll draw that fifties detective, and the guy will be like, "Yeah, this commission's good, but why does he have such big? Why hair? has he got so much hair? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, Captain Brent's hair gets massive. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He does. Yes, he started out as a rather strange student who smoked a pipe, who had all sort of ordinary hair, yes. and his hair gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Yes, he gets big eighties hair. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about the pipe. <laughs> Have you thought about trying for the 2008 Thought Bubble competitions at all? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, aye. So I thought about repitching for. I've actually spoken to this. I've spoken to Tony about this a couple of times. I hope he won't mind me mentioning this. Um, I'd. I can't remember if I was asked or offered. No, I think I offered to do a strontium dog story for Dog Press. Yeah. From Future Quake Press, the fanzine, yeah. But that that was a a couple of years ago. And then I started drawing the United. And Tony likes to wind me up about this, but that was only meant to be seven pages long and it turned out to be um, about 200. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bad habit of doing that. You just get more and more ideas and just... it's um, If you have fun writing and drawing something I think or hopefully it should come out in the page you know if you're, if you're half decent it should come out the page and I think that's what makes Excalibur so special is Alan Davis and he said this in interviews he wants to do comics he's not doing it primarily for the money you know he has to pay the bills and feed his kids well they're grown up now but it's about having fun he takes on projects with fun doing so it's the same with I mean this isn't my job I've got a day job and young kids who you've probably heard through this interview sorry you know, it's you just get carried away doing it, and you've got loads of ideas and stuff. It's still a coherent story, but it's just it grows. And and B, that's the beauty of, of of doing your own comics is you don't have to make it, you know, seven pages for two thousand AD or twenty pages for Marvel or DC. It can be as long as you want. So I get a bit carried away doing that. So I never I never did the dog breath thing, but it's it's quite funny. I've done quite a few um, two thousand AD commissions and and sketch cards. Um, I love drawing uh, Strontium Dog. He's he's good, but it's mm. it, again that's similar to Alan Davis and Captain Britain. I find it very hard to to draw Strontium Dog, and I find it very hard to draw Alan Davis because I'll start drawing uh, Johnny Alpha, like Carlos Square would, you know, that flat nose mm. and that crinkly, that bobbly line. Um, and the only way I could do it was just to stop doing that um, and just draw my version of it, which I suppose is, I don't know, maybe more Toth-like, I suppose, maybe. Um, but obviously, I can't draw as well as Alex Toth. Um, and Captain Britain, again, I'm just drawing that in my style now. I'm not trying to draw like Alan Davis, because you can't really. You can't. Well, a lot of people do rip them off, but I would say who, because I've annoyed Chris Wozniak. And <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to upset anyone else. I, I really like drawing them. I've, I've thought about it. How does it actually work, though? Do you you don't have to like draw live? You you do it overnight or something, don't you? No, no. You they for the for the they artist version, they give you a set script for a future shock yeah. or a time twister, and you have uh, you have plenty of time in advance to do it. All oh, right, okay. And then they pick. I don't know. They pick. I think about half a dozen from the submissions to actually then look at in detail in the panel. Um, it was virtual again this year. They they did they weren't actually at Thought Bubble, but hopefully next year they will be. Um, but yeah, okay, just just a thought. Anyway, look out for Cannon Hill Comics. <laughs> well, thanks for mentioning it. <laughs> and for Cannon Hill Comics, big dot big cartel dot com, and at Cannon Hill Comic on Twitter as well. Yes, and I'm on Instagram at Cannon Cannon Hill underscore Comics too. Great, and and also Johnny, of course, as I said, you and I are sort of. One of a regular panel of re- returning mistresses on Tony Esmond's Never Iron Anything <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned Alex Toth because you did an episode about Toth with Tony. Mm-hmm. You did an episode on Judge Dread America, I seem to remember. And of course, you've done a Ditko episode as well. Oh, yeah. I, I, Steve Ditko is so, so good. We did a Jim Woodring episode recently as well. That's right. Who, yes. Brian, who Brian Bolland's a big fan of. And I think Jim Woodring's a big fan of Brian Bolin too. So the two of them should meet up <laughs> at some point and, and, ha- and talk about comics. 
Um, I, I love I love going on that podcast. Tony's uh, he's, he's he's like yourself. He's very passionate about comics and very articulate. So there's not really it's not often a I'm able to engage in conversations like this. We can really get into the not just you know your favourite characters, but a little bit deeper about the the craft or. Um, what it is about a particular artist or writer that, that, that appeals to you is so good. Yeah, it is great fun. It's a great podcast. Never on anything. Um, check out both of our appearances on that. And Tony Esmond will be returning to the book club uh, in the near future as well. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing to look forward to or not. Tony will tell us. I'm amazed he doesn't swear all the way <laughs> episodes of Cotton Trains well. It's just a swear fest when I, when I go on his. It's him that sets me off. It's just, <laughs> he's some man, he really is. He is, yes. Great stuff, Johnny. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time this Sunday evening to talk about Excalibur and Alan Davis in some detail. Uh, great fun. Uh, thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all of the links, including links to all of Johnny's work at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and the 2000 E forums. And email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com, if you want to get in touch with comments, criticisms, suggestions, or books that you might like to come on the book club with. And that's it. Until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and... It's goodbye from me. Nice.